Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Coming up, I have a conversation with former Redskin linebacker and current NFL free agent, Will Compton. A really long conversation talking about his former team and his podcast and just and some of his former teammates. Later on, I have a one-on-one interview with Dwayne Haskins. I sat down with him at the end of the Redskins spring practices. And then Bram Weinstein joins me and we talk about Dwayne Haskins and his future and a little bit about Josh Doxson. But first, my conversation with Will Compton. Well, now I'm joined by former Redskins linebacker Will Compton. Always enjoyed his insights when I talked to him when he was here. And now I enjoy listening to the Bussin' with the Boys podcast. And you can listen to him on there. He and Taylor Lewan. Just talk about everything. You know, one, one episode, it's all the way from middle school football or middle school in general to the NFL. And they hit every stop of the way. It's really good. Well, I do want to start with one of the hard questions here. Um, and this is something I get from fans all the time about you. Have you actually improved your 5-5 time in the 40 yet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You that one up, John. You got, you got jokes on you, bro. <laughs> Yeah, well, I was going to ask about either that or the 20-inch vertical, so I wasn't sure where to go with that one. <laughs> he's, always, he's always around the ball. He's just not, he's just not quick enough. <laughs> How are you enjoying doing the podcast? I, did, I do enjoy listening to it when I can. Dude, I enjoy it, man. I've seen, hopefully you can tell by the energy. Like, it's, uh, it's fun. It's, uh, we're definitely out of our comfort zone a little bit because uh, we're on there kind of, you know, raising a little bit of hell, kind of saying what we want. But that's, that's what, I think that's what makes it fun, man. It's a... Uh, it's a good time, and we've gotten some good insights, some good reviews and stuff so far, and people close to me have reached out and complimented it. So it, it, it fires me up. It fires me up when people like you listen. You can listen to uh, Bustin' with the Boys or Instagram, Twitter, Bustin' WTB. We drop a lot of content, but it's been a blast, man. It's just kind of cool to use the platform and kind of, you know, speak on any issue that's coming about. Like you said, we're, we're talking about our experiences growing up. We're talking about topics that go on today. We talk about sport. We, we dabble in a little bit of everything. And you know, it's funny that you say, cause when I was listening to it, I feel like, I felt like I'm sitting in somebody's living room, listening to your conversation that it was, it wasn't, it's not a, you know, typical show. It's a conversation between two guys who are friends that, and I think you've even built it this way as like, the kind of talks that you guys would have while you're sitting in the tub after a game, recovering from the game. Absolutely, and that's exactly what, how we want listeners to kind of perceive it. We want them to feel like we're all kind of sitting there together and they're listening to us. Uh, am I allowed to curse on here? Sure, go ahead. John? Yeah. <laughs> they listen to us bullshit about whatever, and uh, they kind of feel like they're a part of the conversation. They're laughing at the ridiculous stuff we talk about. You know, a lot of things we joke about, but, yeah, a lot of the stuff you hear, whether it's uh, – in the locker room, in the cold tub, in the sauna, out and about, eating lunch, just anywhere, man. We, we wanted to bring those conversations and put a mic in front of us and just kind of, you know, make it make it fun, make it enjoyable for everybody, not really be too strict or too formal and everything and just kind of be, you know, what fans would like to see, like when they want to be in these conversations. Now, you're still waiting to hear on your next stop. So was there any worry from your end about – making sure that you're not going to say anything on that that's going to somehow impact your job for whatever your team is next? Yeah, I mean, 
there's definitely there's definitely a little uh I guess uneasiness when I'm when I'm doing this stuff just because you know I'm, I don't have an NFL job right now and so teams they but at the same time man like I, I've played long enough and I have enough of a resume like teams are going to do their due diligence they're going to do stuff correctly on me if this if they listen to the podcast and they you know they they're hearing us you know drop a few curse words or I, I don't know I don't know the uh, formula of bringing somebody on as a free free agent like going for like hey I listen to this podcast and I want to say no because of this <laughs> podcast but uh I mean there's enough out there man and I, I'm just I'm enjoying myself because at the end of the day I'm, I'm almost 30 years old I'm on the back nine uh so to speak of my career and you know I got to start I'm I'm starting to dabble in other things off the field that I'm finding passions in and enjoy so I don't want I don't want the fear of being locked into a certain situation to hold me back, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, it's funny to think that you're on the back nine because I still remember when you were the undrafted free agent standout in the in that <laughs> first camp. You know, to think that you're at this point, dude, John, it, it, it's amazing, man. I sit and reflect all the time, uh, and a couple times a week on just like where I'm at career-wise, and like, man, it's crazy that. You know, I've gotten to play this long. I'm not saying like it's almost over, but at the, being realistic, like when you get to be 30, there's a reason they call it you're on the wrong side of 30 right. in the NFL. So uh, it, it's it's crazy, dude. It's crazy to think I was at those little cage lockers and you guys, my first interviews with you guys and the relationships I've built over the years. And it's just wild, man. It's wild to think I'm this damn, it's wild to think I'm this damn old already. <laughs> but you've always been a guy, you've always been a, yeah, and you've always been someone who's got, I wouldn't say necessarily like interest taking you away from football, but always had an eye on, you know, with the, the motivational stuff and improving yourself that way. And I find it funny. I remember we're going back and reading something, how public speaking concerned you and yet you're really good at speaking in public and on this podcast. What the hell? Dude, I, I know, man. I trust me when, it, when people are hearing me speak, just understand that I'm, I'm pitting, I'm sweating a little bit. Like I, I have a little bit of anxiety. Like it's, it takes a minute for me to get fully comfortable, but it's just, uh, it's something I always, I've always enjoyed, man. And you know, like sitting and having conversations with me, I, I do, I enjoy all those aspects of what is inspiration, motivation, and definitely humor. So, uh, it's, I'm using this podcast to kind of do all of it, a little bit of all of it, and just kind of see what happens, see where it goes and just kind of have another outlet, man. And just use my, uh, use my platform in a different way that most don't do. How much do you enjoy social media? I enjoy social media. I, I do enjoy social media. I'm, I love uh, I love following funny people. I, I don't know. I I just it's a it's a good balance because you can't take social media too serious. And I have in the past, but you like you you know um, I've just you learn over the years. You get more and more further along with social media, and you see kind of the the pros and cons of social media. Like it's it's also a it can also be a bad place for people, but. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy social media. I enjoy making people laugh. I enjoy trying to inspire somebody to do something. I enjoy just kind of updating my life. Um, I also have posts to where I'm posting in the future to where, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, to my kids who see this down the road. Like, I just think that's so mm. cool, man. So I, I have fun. I enjoy social media. But you know, it's funny, though, because you have, I mean, you you know how it is in this town and in probably most NFL <laughs> cities. I mean, but if you had a bad game, if you missed a tackle, you're, you know, what, what are they going to be saying on social media? How did you get used to that? Um, there's really no getting used to it. I think it's dealing with uh, your own self, and you have, to, you have to have, 
you know, to me, so self-awareness is like the number one quality somebody can have. Like personally, I have to have the, the awareness enough to know how it's, how something's harming me and I have to deal with it. I feel like you have to deal with it that internally and figure out how to, you know, get yourself out of being defined in those, in those sporadic moments when you're reading something. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, there's a difference between Nashville and DC. It's funny because we're doing this podcast now, and just last week I was chirping you, having a good time on social media, <laughs> and you posted that video that uh, that choice route out of the backfield. And it was just uh, Haskins throwing it to whoever it was, Adrian. and uh, I was just chirping you like, uh, "Oh man, sweet content here, bro!" Like <laughs> I'm sure people are just eating this up, and sure enough, man, everyone's coming out from Redskin Town trying to chirp a little bit, but it's. It's fun. It's it's been uh, I've learned a lot being a year removed away from it, and uh, I learned a lot while being there. Like, what did you learn here? Because I mean, one of the things that you brought up, and I know when you and Taylor were talking, and I think it was your last podcast about the locker rooms, and you talked about the Tennessee locker room versus here, and I think you didn't really want to insult anybody here or put you know whatever. But what was the difference, and what makes a good locker room? Yeah, and you said it the right way too. Like, there's no insulting that I want to be that that wants to come from me bringing up locker rooms. Like me saying that the Titans locker room, they had a better locker room, isn't an insult or a a jab at the Redskins locker room. I think when you're around cultures, the both cultures, uh, the way the way things are kind of done top down. And again, like. I get cautious saying this stuff on here because I know how people can spin it right. out in that world. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. People just always want answers all the time to the, to the most minute detail. They want all the answers. And, um, I think the com- the, the balance with locker room, coaching staff, front office is a lot closer in, um, in my year in Tennessee compared to my years mm. past with some of the Redskins and the Redskins that, there's been a lot of drama that goes on. It's not, there's no singular person or fault. Like there's just a lot that goes on in that around that. Um, is it the, so, is it the market, it, the city? Is it the team? What, why is that? Do you you know, I, for, for, like, for me, I feel like um, if, when you're out of the national, when you're out of tight practice, there's not a huge crowd of media there trying to do every single, single thing. Like DC to me, the best way for me to explain it, is D.C. is a stepping stone to the big leagues, like the ESPNs of the world. I mean, yeah, you work for ESPN, but, like, getting on camera, being somebody, important, like, it's kind of a stepping stone. People have kind of climbed that ladder, ladder in the D.C. media to kind of get to that national media. Nashville, I don't think there's that much of that uh, stepping stone or mm-hmm. ladder in Nashville. So I say that that uh, in a way that there's not as much competition that goes on. Like there's a lot of you guys that are extremely active all the time in media, in writing stories, whether it was back in my days when RG3 was coming through, the Kirk Cousins stuff. Just any time there can be a story, there's a story written. And um, in Nashville, anytime there's a story, there seems that there doesn't seem to be as much drama mm-hmm. revolving around the team that the media can portray that I feel like it could be portrayed in the red. And it also gets picked up nationally a bit more here. So that, pro- I wonder how Correct. much that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Redskins is a, a tremendously stored franchise. And again, this is not, it's hard to navigate around this conversation because there's no insulting that goes on. Yeah, no. It's just like, it's a different ball game 
when you're in the D.C. media than when you're in the national media. And that's not even a chirp of the national media, not saying that they're not. Right, no. There's no good and bad. They're just different animals. Right. And I feel like a media, like people, we all know that external things can affect uh, inside of any culture in any organization, whether it's family, whether it's a team, whether it's an office, whether it's a locker room, anything. Any external factor can influence that stuff. And I feel like when there's so much that goes on around the Redskins, there's a lot more angles and opportunities to affect and poke the bear inside the locker room, inside the building, inside those walls to create kind of animals that, you know, that uh, Nashville or the Titans, in a way, they don't have to deal with as much. One of the guys that you play, would have played with, and I think he's only healthy for five games, and I think even in that time you weren't all that healthy in your last year here, was Jonathan Allen. Now, one of the big topics – Last season was, you know, they got rid of DJ Swearinger. They got rid of Zach Brown. What do you think, how would that, do you think that might impact the leadership and how can Allen impact the leadership role on that defense? Yeah, Jonathan's a stud, number one. I think, um, I think he's uh, improving in his role. I think he's maturing. He's getting older. Every year he gets older, the more and more he's going to feel comfortable. And I noticed when I was there, you know, he's, uh, he's uh, beyond his years in uh, maturity as far as a rookie when I was around him as a rookie. Um, you know, there's there's definitely shoes to fill. DJ brought a, a swag. He brought a uh, presence. He brought a mentality about himself that guys kind of fed off of. I know I, you know, I did when I was there. And he brought a uh, – he kind of brought some personality to that defense a little bit. There's also a lot of guys there that are able to do the same right. thing. And maybe witnessing an example of DJ uh, around might – make guys you know understand how to carry that out now that he's gone and then maybe fix some things that happened when he was there that they they might have felt they needed to get out of uh that team so you know not being there i don't right and that's much of what happened but uh, i know that they have they have a a lot of cats there now you know they picked up landon collins he's a very he's a very uh veteran presence in that locker room they have a lot of Bama guys there, so I, you can only imagine the comfort level in that locker room, especially on defense. Guys kind of feeding off of each other and kind of making it their own baby. So, you know, that stuff that stuff's exciting to see, and that that stuff will, uh, you know, play in their favor down the road. Are you surprised by where Matt Ioannidis is going? Because he, I mean, are, are you surprised by that? About it just what? just like how he's how, where he's gotten to in his career. No, I'm not surprised. Why not? I love Matt Ioannidis. I can't say enough good things about the kid about the guy. I don't even mean to call him kid, but uh, Matt's a stud, man, and he's somebody that takes his work very seriously, and he's very detailed in his approach and his process. Uh, he's always looking at ways to get better, and it, it's not necessarily things that re- result, revolve around being on the field, but he's always looking for ways to get better off the field in his recovery and his nutrition and a lot of things. Like I, I'm close with Matt, so I kind of know – uh, I feel, I guess, qualified enough to speak on his work ethic outside of the football field that carries into the locker room, that carries into the facility. And I know, you know, he's he's a very serious individual, and they're 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 lucky to have him. And I'm pumped he got to deal with him. Um, did you ever get? Did they ever call you after the Reuben Foster situation? Um, I was in contact a little bit, but nothing serious, nothing set in stone. I was I was curious myself what how that would shake up because there's only so many guys in free agency that you're going to pick out of and you know I feel like I'm in that group that is is definitely next to go I've fielded a few phone calls so I was curious what would uh how that would shake up and you know it seemed like they picked up uh Bostick and um they seem to like him so 
you never know, man. It's a long, it's a long year. But when he went down, my my antennas went up a little bit. Like, oh shit! Like, I might be, I might be going. It might be a little homecoming for the boy. One of the perceptions here, and again, I know there's, you know, you're still trying to play in this league, so I, I understand that. But one of the perceptions in some corners that Jay Gruden is too soft, was too soft on guys here, or is too soft on guys here. Where, where does he fall? I mean, I know you only play for a few head coaches, but where does he fall in that realm? Do you agree with that? And wh- you know, what does that mean? Um, I think Gr- Coach Gruden um, is a really good coach. I think he's a stud. I think he uh, he lays out expectations all the time for the guys. And uh, you know he's definitely a player's coach. Uh, there's there's definitely the, the fun that like the fundamental stuff of leadership is you need you need stuff to kind of come from multiple angles. Right. Yes, it all falls on Jay Gruden at the end of the day. He's the leader, and then there's people above him that lead him, and there's people below Jay that Jay allowed to lead different section, you know, different sides right. of the ball for the team, like offense, defense. You know, backers have a leader, secondary has a leader. Like, there's leaders everywhere. So, um, you know, definitely everything falls back on Jay. And I know they're kind of in a they have to win this year mentality. Right. I saw his joke. Um, I forget what his joke was. <laughs> the hard knocks. Like, you know, yeah. we don't, well, can you remind me of that joke? It was like, oh, well. If we don't win, I probably won't be here anyways. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I probably won't be here next yeah. year. But uh, <laughs> um, I, I think Jay's a stud, man. You know, he's got a. Uh, He's got a good group of coaches with him, and the thing with with them and in that building is minimizing distractions because they can come. Again, we were talking about it earlier. Right. They can come at every angle, and they can slowly but surely loosen a team up, loosen a locker room up uh, uh, over the course of a season. Uh, an example being the red, the skins were in like the driver's seat going into the first what six seven weeks something right. like that last year, mm-hmm. and um, they lose one game. And, I, like, I knew sitting in the house I was in, I'm like, man, I'm sure everyone's asshole's getting a little tight <laughs> right now, even though it should be, because right. the Redskins will lose a game, and it'll be like, oh, it's the same old skins. When it's like, what was their record last year? When the, when six, and three went, six and three when Alex Smith got hurt in that Houston game. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then everybody started. There's a, there wasn't panic, but there was, also, there was also the side, like, okay, there's a little panic going on. We're going to try not to acknowledge it. But that's just... That's how it is out there, man. And it's like, um, you know, the thing with the skins is uh, everybody's got to do a great job of minimizing those distractions there because right. that can eat. Those guys know it can eat a team up over the course of time because once some stories come out or this, he said, she said happens or guys start to, you know, there's more whispering going on due to what whatever's going on out there. There's just more, uh, more of a way to kind of pry a team apart. And, um, Slowly but surely, that animal starts to build, and um, you know you see that you've seen that over the years with the Skins. One of the things that'll be interesting to watch is the Trent Williams situation as we get into training camp. What if 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 he's not here? What would it mean to the locker room? If Trent isn't there? Yeah, and I and I and I'm not saying he won't be, and my 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 guess is that he probably would be. But what if he's not? What what, what would that mean? Um, I mean, I would think it means a lot. Man. Right, Trent's a Trent's a stud. He, uh, you know, he's a he's one of the elite players in the league. Not just the best player on the Redskins, but one of the best players in the league. So, not having that presence in his athleticism and just the way who Trent Williams is, not having him around that dynamic, there there definitely be a hole and a void. I would I would assume just my years around Trent. Um, yeah, it seems like they have uh, 
there's been a little bit of drama circulating that whole deal. Um, but yeah, they would definitely miss Trent. I, I would assume they'll 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 have him back and he'll be in the locker room and on the team and stuff. But uh, if they didn't have him, like yeah, that would definitely be a hit. What, one of the things that gets brought up is all the medical staff. But from a player's perspective, what is the players? responsibility just in general not talking about anybody particularly but you you've been in this league you've been hurt you've been you know healthy what is the player's responsibility in terms of taking care of themselves with with, with, you know before and after injuries Uh, yes so um there's definitely there's definitely a responsibility that the players have to have and have to hold their own self accountable due to the other side of the fence where you come from a medical standpoint knowing that their job is to get you back on the field as quickly as possible. That's their job. It should be their job. And they, they, they answer to the people above them. They don't answer to the – they do answer. They do act in the best interest of the player. But at the same time, they have a job to do, and that's get a product on the field. On, on the side of the player now, um, their guys have to understand the responsibility they have to know fully what's wrong with them through second opinions, through, through outsourcing other things. And just having other options surrounding you, you know, at all times for when you leave the facility, because you you can you can get diagnosed one way, which is more than likely the correct way. But there could be other other issues that might not even revolve around that issue that you need to correct um, that go beyond just what you're seeing from looking at being injured at the facility. Um, you know, guys need to do like me personally. My years being in the league. I've slowly gotten better each and every year due to the vets that kind of helped lead me and guide me to like, hey, you know, go get blood work done after the year, go get this injury looked at, um, and not only get an injury looked at, but get your body assessed frequently throughout the year to where you understand um, where certain injuries come from. Because again, a lot of the times when you're in a facility, the injury gets treated, not necessarily the symptoms surrounding the injury or other things that could result in that injury they're just treating the injury because they got to make that injury better so you can get back on the field and where i've learned and kind of grow uh where i've grown over the years is learning my body from a way of okay what are causing these injuries uh, getting the right consulting you know surrounding myself with the right doctors and therapists and trainers and yada 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 and so on um they're able to assess me and evaluate me in a way that i'm able to protect keep those injuries from happening again or trying to keep those injuries from happening again but when another injury occurs i know i have those people to consult with right. call on when i need more guidance when i need more hey is this correct is this the right assessment is this the right uh you know mri reading is this the right x-ray reading like you know because you you do you, you need those allies that go outside of the facility uh, it is switching gears a little bit here but you when you first came to the league you were playing with london fletcher was here and I don't know that I've ever really talked to you about any influence. What kind of influence did he have on you just in that year um, and on your career? Um, in that one year, he had a bigger influence on me than he probably realized because it wasn't necessarily me always talking with him and consulting with him. Like, yeah, I would ask him a lot of questions, but I would observe the heck out of the dude uh, just because of who he is. Like, he, you know, he'll be a Hall of Fame cat one day. And, um, you know, he was a big influence on me. Um, a couple years, you fast forward a couple years, I ended up, I would stay in touch with him a little bit, maybe once a year, but fast forward a couple of years, then I, I go out to North Carolina and pick his brand some more and just surround myself mm. with him a little more just to kind of work on my game and, you know, hear his mindset on things. But um, 
So you go down there like in the uh, off season to do that? Yes, I go in the off season to his spot in North Carolina and kind of work, you know, linebacker stuff with him and kind of talk about how we take notes and how he he probably watches film, what he sees in my game that, um, you know, he he would be able to talk to me in a way to where I'm going to listen to anything he says. So watching footage of the way I was performing and then finding aspects of my game that I can improve upon by just changing a few little details. Let's circle back to your podcast and your your co-host, Taylor Lewan. And you guys brought this up on your last one about you got to get Josh Norman on there. What what did you what did you think of that whole situation? You know that way the way at the end of the game and Taylor with the arrow and Josh getting mad. What did you think of all that? Oh, man, my <laughs> first thought when I saw that man was I kind of shook my head. Uh, you know I don't know why my boy Taylor felt the need to go do his little bow and arrow thing to him. Um, you know I remember the next week in the facility he's like, hey, did you see uh, did you see this and that? And I'm like, yeah, but. I was like, Josh is my boy, man. You know, he's, he's, he's a boy. He's a good dude. I like Josh. And, uh, oh, he's like, oh, that's your boy? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, man, that's, I hate that. Because, you know, Taylor and I are so close. Right. But, uh, yeah, we definitely want to get Josh on. I've actually FaceTimed with him and talked to him about coming on the pod. And, you know, those two have their little deal that, you know, should, should be squashed or should get squashed. But I know um, they went back and forth a little bit on Twitter about Josh saying he'll come out, getting his foundation involved or charity involved. So, you know, hopefully we can put a good little spin on it, donate some money, and get these, get all of us in a room. And I'll kind of mediate and have fun with the conversation and do my, you know, use my personality to kind of, you know, talk about their story. That And it was, it was kind of, I mean, in hindsight, it's a little bit, it's kind of funny because he's, you know, what's going on with the air and all that. But like, I've never seen Josh as upset after a game as, as that one. He sat at his locker for, well, while DJ ripped apart the entire coaching staff, Josh Norman sat at his locker in his uniform, was the last one out of there by at least a half hour. And like, you know, so yeah. I think it was not a good day for Josh Norman. Yeah, I was, um, yeah, it was probably one of the matter times I've seen Josh as well. Like, I know what you mean. I know what you mean when you're, you know, he was very mad after that game. Um, yeah, they had, it's tough, man. You know, I, being being in that locker room, playing for that team, and going through those years where you're close and you just don't get over that damn hump, man. It's a very frustrating feeling. So, I, you know, I, I, I get where he's coming from for sure. And that was kind of the time last year where, you know, they, they really, they, 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 they they could have or should have ended up beating us. But um, yeah. with uh, the eighth quarterback you guys used. <laughs> well, Adrian Peterson but, uh, tried to put him on his back. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. That was a, that was a nostalgic game. And, um, you know, standing on the other sideline, it was, it was a pretty crazy feeling. But, uh, but yeah, man, I can, only I can only imagine the frustrations yeah. he had after losing another close game that nobody picked him to win and to go in there and, would it, you know, the whole would have, should have, could have beat us mentality, uh, um, you know, it's, it's definitely frustrating. Well, and the hard part for me listening to your podcast is that as an Ohio State guy, I'm predisposed to disliking Taylor Lewan. So, and actually, you know, I kind of like, God, I kind of like this guy now. He was just all right, you know, and it's, you yeah. know, I mean, but it was yeah. just. Well, we're thinking about, we're thinking about, uh, I know uh, we talked about maybe Vrabel coming on a little bit, so he'll be able to, 
it'll kind of balance the playing field for you. Yeah, there you go. Because I kind of need that if I'm going to listen to it more. But I really did enjoy it, and I, I find it. I also find it funny that you were five eleven, one seventy five in high school and in, in middle school. Yes, in the, in the eighth grade, bro. I was uh, 5'11", 175, and had some had some track record. Track How much? I'm guessing. I remember coaching against kids like you and my kids were in that level and they would have all sorts of leg hair and look like they look like they drove already. And you're coming in a band's like, you know, you know, that kids like drive, pick driving here in a pickup truck or something. I'm yeah, guessing. Yeah, for sure. I was definitely one of those kids that like, I was like ahead of the game. You know, when I was young, when I was even younger, like in youth football, um, I was, I was more of an offensive player. And me, I was convinced I was going to be like the next Walter Payton because, I just, you know, I had so much fun and had my way on the field around kids that were much smaller than me if that were my age. But, uh, you know. That was not when you were – you were not a gym rat at that time then, huh? No, I wasn't a gym rat at that time. You, I, I was not a gym rat at that time. I, last, last thing, Will. Are you a St. Louis Blues fan? I know you grew up kind of near there. Yes, I am. I'm not, I'm not diehard to where I Okay. Am. I can rattle off all the details. I, I can admit I'm one of those guys that when they're going, when they're in the playoffs, me in my mind, I'm thinking I have three teams to root for. I got the Blues, I got the Cavs, and I got the Predators. And so whoever's whoever's making it to the end, that's the bandwagon I'm jumping on because I have history in all three of those. Well, teams. you got two. You got two in a row then. Yeah, I know. I know. I was kind of. I was the Cavs won last year, and I was kind of bummed I wasn't part of it. I was kind of bummed I wasn't part of the Skins last year when they finally won it. Because I would go every year supporting them, and they would, you know, they would all—they always come in as like the best team coming out of the regular season. They just blow it in that second or third round. Listen, when you guys get that bus up and running, when it's not some decrepit old thing, dude, you got to come to Nashville. Well, I would like to. I would like to. I enjoy Nashville. Run it and trust me, the bus is going to be. The bus will probably be at FedEx one day. That would be fun. That would be fun to hop but in there. You got to come down to Nashville and get on the bus. There's really no point unless you come to Nashville. I w- listen. To I would like that. Maybe I'll tell you what. If you're still doing it next summer or ne- some point next year, maybe I can make that happen. But oh, I want, I want some of that good bourbon that's out there. Oh, we'll get you some. All right. Hooked up, bro. And All then, right. like, uh, you can even run your own podcast from the bus. There we go. All right. Dude, John, wait, 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 this, this one's called what? Just the John Kime podcast? John, John Kime Report. Went, I went creative. John Kime Report. Yeah. I'm just glad you're finally doing this thing, man. You, got, you always got a lot of good insight. Maybe it's just be mingling with the man. How about that? Mingling with the man. <laughs> there you go. All right, man. Uh, I, hope, I, I hope you had fun, bro. I, I did, man. I always enjoy it. I always enjoy it. our words around too much on here. Nah, don't worry. I'll blow it up into a headline. Don't worry. Okay. All right, man. Thanks a lot, Will. See you, Jeff. All right, see you. Coming up, my one-on-one interview with Dwayne Haskins from Redskins Park. Welcome back. Well, the Redskins offseason is finished, and they're just waiting for training camp now in late July. But before they left, I sat down with Redskins quarterback Dwayne Haskins for a one-on-one interview. Last week you had the throw where Jay says, no, 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 nice throw. Right. You remember the one on the sideline? And like, tell so, me, yeah. yeah, and so and he's, you know, Jay's like, you know, there's sometimes you watch him and he's like, it's, there's like this unbelievable talent. What do you see, like, when you're out there, what do you learn from a play like that, for example? Which play, the one to Kelvin? The one, yeah, the one to Kelvin. Um, 
I think the biggest thing with like quarterback is um, confidence and um, uh, like it's when I know what I'm doing, like as far as read the play and. I can sit back and work with anybody, but when it's like when it's like confusion with calling the play or not knowing mm-hmm. to read, and then my eyes get in the wrong spot, and then I'm late on something, and my feet get antsy, it's just um, be on the same page, and um, you know, I just I'm very very confident in my arm. So that pass to Kelvin like last week, like if I was one more hitch late, I'd been a pick. Right. So it's but just, you won. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like having that feel for that, knowing. When you can take that that shot in there, and when you when you shoot it, and stuff like that. And it's funny that you brought up like when everything's right, because I think there was the one play earlier in camp. And again, not just this is all we have to go on right yeah. now, so not to make a huge deal of it. But that you had the two minute situation, red zone, and you yeah. took off running. Yeah. And Jay's like, you know, when you when you get comfortable, when a quarterback gets comfortable with the playbook and the situation, you probably don't run on that one because you're not. But you're, you know what I mean? Is it? Is it still? Yeah, I kind thought of, I had a timeout, but I didn't. Right. So yeah. Is, and that, that's all part of the learning process. Yeah isn't it yeah yeah so i mean you know how comfortable at this point do you feel do you feel like you know the way you'd want to or is it way too early to feel that way uh, I, just, I just know that in my mind i want to be really really good and right now i'm good sometimes mm-hmm. and that's like frustrating because I want to play like Tom Brady. I want to play like Drew Brees, and it's only my fourth week in, in camp, and I'm, you know, it's not going to be possible. So, I mean, the biggest thing is it's like taking out a grain of salt. Like after this practice, I'm out of me with coach for like two hours, and just watching film, calling plays, just getting used to being in a different terminology. Because um, even at Ohio State, it took me like about I used to play Madden in in, 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 um, in college to learn the playbook. So. That's just, just like once I learn the playbook and I know what I'm doing, I can call out the reads and point out sites and read protections and everything else will just go from there. So uh, I just feel like one full year of me learning would uh, do me justice. And that's like, can you, can you tell when you're at the point? Did you just you just feel like comfort level that kind of comes over you? Yeah, like certain plays, like if you like watch like certain plays, where I just sit back, drive, rip it. Like those are those are plays where I'm like, okay, he knows what he's doing. Right. And there's plays where I'm like looking and then looking away and looking back and it's like oh he doesn't like I, I, I think I know but I don't like know it enough for I right. can just play fluidly so that's just something that's going to come with time and one thing Jay too said too um, when I was talking to him is that what he wants to get, get quicken the read so you can get to work on keeping your feet always turned you also have the arm talent because I saw this in plays in college against Washington I think yeah. it was a play in the flat yeah. where you don't get your feet around yeah. the throw is perfect right. like you can do things like that but he said to talk about wanting to get your feet more in that is that something that you're still working on and is that I mean, I mean the reason why we work on that so much is because this, in NFL the DBs are faster so in college, I might get away with some throws where I don't bring my legs with me. Right. And I'll still get to play in there. And there's some plays now where if I get my legs in between me, or legs underneath me, it'd be batted down, it'd be a pick, or whatever the situation may be. So just working on moving, resetting, and then this. Because uh, sometimes, because I, I know I have a strong arm, sometimes I get into the the the, the times where I just want to just throw with my arm and not bring my leg and stuff like that. So just being conscious of like where my body's at in the pocket. Sometimes I just do it on purpose just to work arm angles. And right. that's just what I think. Yeah. But you also have like you also have something that a lot of people don't have, which is the ability to do that. So sometimes yeah. you can do it. There's that you know sometimes you you know do you have, what's the risk that you weigh? Like I know I can do it here, but maybe not here. That's a little bit of me watching too much Aaron Rodgers. And, <laughs> you know, that's just, uh, 
Uh, today I threw a pass to, to Steven and uh, the end of um, Red Zone moving. I just threw a tight on to him. So it was just, you know, certain certain times you got to throw over people, throw around people. And I'm tall enough for I can throw over top of people. But, you know, just um, making sure that just trying to get the, the cleanest throw possible is what they just have me work on. You would, do you, do you, have you talked to a guy like Brady or Breeze or anything like that? Have you re- ever reached out to them? Uh, I've never met Brady or, Bree- or Breeze, but. I talking to guys like Sean Springs who played with Breeze for right. a couple of years in New England, just asking him his process, how he goes about things. My uncle plays for the Falcons, and um, he was with Matt Ryan all the time. And Coach Day tells me about Matt Ryan, and Urban tells me about Alex Smith. I haven't really got to talk to Urban uh, to right. Alex yet, and I'm really close with Deshaun Watson and and, and uh, guys like that. So. Um, it's just cool to be able to like sit there and pick their brain, ask what they do, how they train, how they go about the process, and you know, um, just, just seeing what works for them and try to you know see if it works for me. And what what is, what is there anything that in particular that you picked up and already incorporated into your workouts or training or anything? Yeah, this uh, when I work out and when I like play football, I want to make it really hard because if I can just sit in the pocket and just throw naturally, it gets really repetitive. So I just want to like move left or right or have not don't have a base and still try to throw a 10 yard deep out and just stuff like that where I can just simulate like game like throws and then um you know make them make them natural so that's what I work on a lot. Cool. Yeah. Thanks man. I appreciate the time man. Yeah, Coming up, Bram Weinstein's gonna join me to discuss Dwayne Haskins and an article that I wrote on ESPN.com last week about the Redskins rookie quarterback and his prospects as a starter this year. Welcome back. Now I'm going to be joined by Bram Weinstein, and we're going to talk about Dwayne Haskins, the, the, the topic that is going to dominate discussion for the next few weeks, months, maybe even years. Are you ready for vacation, John? Because <laughs> the, it literally is the only thing you're going to be talking about, I think, for about six weeks straight once training camp actually it opens. It absolutely is. It, and you know how this town works, too, with quarterbacks. Like Once the season goes, it's going to be – Listen, if they're if they're kind of middling around, it's still going to all focus on Haskins. The only way it doesn't is if they're getting off to a really good start with Case Keenum or Colt McCoy. Well, think about this for a moment too. Name the other competition. What is it? There isn't. There either. isn't. Right? right? There isn't. There's no. There's literally. It's in my view, no competition for anything unless you consider. Will Darius Geis be ready and get more carries than Adrian Peterson? Right. Yeah, that's pretty much. That's about it. That's that's about it, which is funny because I'm writing about that for ESPN.com this week. <laughs> so that's the other topic. I mean, but really it is, you know, and the, the offshoot of the whole Haskins conversation then comes back to the coach, Jay Gruden, and how it impacts or how it affects his future and how that in turn affects the decision and who to play. All right. So I want to say this about reading your piece on ESPN.com. And let me just say, I said this from the get-go. The second they drafted him, there's going to be a fast-tracking. It is going to happen. And one of the maturations of Jay Gruden was, and he was terrible at this early in his tenure as Redskins coach, terrible politician in terms of (laughs) what you are and are not supposed to say to us, right? right? That has really changed this offseason. And and whether, so I need to ask you, because you're watching this. You're watching it live. 
is he as effusive about him because it looks that good or because that's what everybody wants to hear? I Well, there's a couple things. I will say that in practice that what Gruden says I think is accurate. There are times, because one of the quotes that he gave me is at times when and he makes a throw and you're thinking, Jesus, there's no one you'd rather have than Dwayne Haskins. And when you watch him in practice, I think that praise is legit. And then the other thing he said to me was, and then there are times he's abnormally off. And I also think that, too, is legit. I think what's happening, though, is, especially for Redskins fans, you're going to hear the first part more than you're going to hear the second. The second is the development in the coach's eyes. The first, though, and I think this is – and going to go back to the – because the whole thing is about the organization, too. I do think that there's a concerted effort with the organization to make sure they're all on the same page with this kid and to not repeat mistakes of the past with, with former quarterbacks who have been here. So I think it's a yes and probably a little bit of a yes, too. So I guess I do, I do believe that when you're in practice watching him, there are some times you're thinking, this kid looks really good. And then there are times where you say this is going to take him some time, but he's still the most talented guy there. All right, so what you've seen, they're not going to practice again until training camp starts. What you've seen, what you've heard, and, and, and clearly – like the pulse of the area is everybody wants him to start. Like that, that's without fail that the fan base is feeling that already, whether he should or he shouldn't. But for what you've seen, what you've heard, is he starting week one? I'm, I've been on the no for the, since he was drafted because mainly because the whole thing I've heard before the draft and to this point is the word, you know, the two words are patience and time that they, that he's going to need both. So I'm one kind of leads into the other. So I've always said no, um, that I don't think he'll be the week one starter. And I also subscribe to the, to the belief that I don't really care about that for him as much as the guy's just got to be a good quarterback. Now, I also know, having said that, you and I aren't the ones making the decision. And it's not based on and the reason you even asked me that it's not based on is he ready or is he not? We know that. But I, I do think... Which is what it should be based on, but which it's is not what, because it, we both know how this organization works and that's not how they work. That's not how it's worked. And so for anybody, you know, the, the whole... The one thing, you know, I've heard a lot about how Dan Snyder isn't whether how the involvement level and change and all this. And I think we'll see based on this decision. If he doesn't look ready, if there are certain things that you still see cropping up, then I think that's when you have to, and he ends up starting, then you have to say, okay, what's going on here? Um, I think there are some things like in the spring, the one thing that you'd see a lot of times is the footwork. And that's one of the things that in that article that Gruden talked, that I talked with Gruden about is, you know, the, when he says abnormally off, it's usually because the feet there, the goal here for them is to get Haskins comfortable enough reading the defense so he can go through his progressions a little bit quicker and get his feet around better to, because that in turn helps the accuracy. When he's able, when he's not under duress and he's got all that time and all that, man, it looks good. And so they're trying, that's what the whole purpose, of, you know, that's what the, the, um, the thought process is there. So I think if they can't, if he's not there yet, if we're not seeing that in practice in August and he still ends up starting, then you have to, then you'd have to say, okay, well, there's something else going on here, but I still lean toward no, um, that, that he won't. Um, but 
I also recognize that sometimes I'm, maybe that's a naive opinion. And, but I also want to see how he looks in August because it, my thought opinion, my opinion could change based on how he looks in the preseason games. He goes out there and tears it up. Well, then, pff, you know, what, you know that, that playbook I have is, up, is out the window, and, and he started. But um, I want to ask you this one because this one's been hanging out there for a couple of weeks, and I've been meaning to ask you about it. The Josh Doxson, I've got nothing to prove to anybody <laughs> statement. And you know, forget the fact that they didn't you know, pick up the option, which I don't think is a surprise to anybody based on None. what he's done so far. It's no surprise. Do you think, cause, and I'm not certain where the rookie receiver falls into all of this, is he in a competition for his job to even start this season? I think it'd be hard to go there at this point. because, I, And I will say, I know how much they like Terry McLaurin. He's the one who would push him for that starting role because he plays the same position as Doxon. It Doxon's. feels like they drafted the, his replacement and, of course, have the quarterback who played with him in college and everyone's raving about yeah. the leadership of this guy and no one's going to rave about the leadership of Doxon. No. And they didn't pick up the – to me, it feels like there's a possibility he's not going to play that much. And Well, I, and I don't know that – I think – I think it – as I think we've talked about before, and I know there have been times in the past where they've at least explored him on the open market, and there haven't been takers. So you know, so there I, have like what have you heard? Like like late round pick? Um, I haven't heard any picks in particular. I just there would. I mean, he's still here, so he's still here. But I think one of the things there's a couple of things with McLaurin in this whole situation. First of all, this is an offense that is so focused on the tight ends, especially Jordan Reed. That I think, you know, that the receivers get lost in that a little bit, and unless you know, Crowder did not, but Crowder is a guy who wins quick at the line, and that's a lot of what they do. But there is, this is an offense that is so centered on the tight end that I think that if you probably gave some truth serum to the receivers, they probably admit that maybe that could get a little bit frustrating, just because they know that they're not going to be volume guys. Now, um, having said that, then you going over to McLaurin, one of the things that when you watch him, and this is an interesting thing, Bram, now I'm going to get a little bit nuanced, but like when he's going against, for example, in the spring, going against Dominique Rogers cromartie there are a lot of times I didn't see him necessarily beat him. But I think that's actually good for him. And I, the reason why he wasn't always beating him is because he was always throwing his fastball. So in other words, they have to get there. The things that he has to get used to doing is running routes at various speeds and learning how to sell certain routes. And he wasn't really selling them to a guy like Cromartie, which is great because that's how he'll learn. So, but there, there's a learning curve that he has to go through for as far as how he runs his routes, the speed, et cetera, et cetera, and when, you know, how, learning how to, um, to sell something. That, that's a big thing. So I don't know that he's in position just yet to fully take that job away from him. I haven't seen, I haven't heard that. But I do know, like, again, I'll go back to after the draft. Jay Gruden said, goes, at some point, this kid's going to be a starter. So it's just a matter of when. Um, and he does a lot of things that they like, you know, a lot of all-around things that they like as well. So, um, but... You know, they're, they're, it's funny because I've talked to some people over the years that, you know, we might not see what Doxon can really do until he's maybe in with another team. So and they, some people might laugh and say whatever, but that's there is a feeling by some people that's like that. Yeah, I, this feels different, though, in that sometimes it's circumstance when a guy gets placed in a situation and he's right. either behind somebody or there were injuries or there's some kind of circumstance where then he has this revival somewhere else. 
I believe this guy's had literally every opportunity to shine he's had, here. He's had opportunities. And, so, yes. and he hasn't. Right. So if he does turn around and become a Pro Bowl player for another team, I'm going to want to know what in the world was going on here for four years. I would be in that list as well because, um, again, you know, it's funny because for a couple years, and I don't want to do this this summer, and sometimes you fall prey to it, but – you know, I know a lot of fans get tired of hearing, oh, this guy was doing this and this and this in practice. And that was what we heard two years ago. Didn't hear as much of that last year, but I think maybe some people just started to get – I, you know, it's funny. I never talked to players about that, but we heard that a lot two years ago. Doxson in practice is looking great, and he's doing this and he's doing that. And then you get to games, and you'd see some stuff, but you wouldn't see the whole package that you really want to see. So, you know, I'm – I would want to know too, but I think a lot of it goes back to the way this offense is centered and maybe who has been, you know, I don't know if it's a matter of who's at quarterback because some people will scoff at that, that I've talked to there. Um, but um, but it's, it is a tight end focused offense and Jordan Reed is still on the roster and that's not going to change. And I, then I think you're going to go, listen, you want to get Jordan Reed his touches. You want to get Vernon some touches. You want to get Chris Thompson some touches. And it seems Trey Quinn too. Trey Quinn will get his touches because he's replacing yeah. that Crowder role. And, you know, then you've got Paul Richardson out there. So I don't think that Doxson is going to be that guy who's going to jump up and make, you know, catch the ball, catch 70 passes this year. I think he's in that 40, 45 range. And then if I'm him, I'm thinking I want to be traded then. Because they're not picking up the contract anyway. They've already said that. The likelihood is he's not going to see a lot of action unless there's injuries in front of him and might even get benched for a rookie. That's a possibility. And we, and we don't right? know. All those yeah. things could happen. And what you're laying out here is the offense doesn't benefit him to have statistics that will get him the contract that he wants. If I'm him, I want out. I want out. I want to be somewhere Listen, where I have a chance you know, I mean, to, it, to have a big season. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, it's hard to disagree with that if you want the numbers to go into free agency. So, you know, but he's here. So I don't know that he's going to have that chance. But if McLaurin looks really good in camp and he's improved in some of those areas that I'm talking about, but like what McLaurin offers them is this speed. And you have, if you have McLaurin on one side, Richardson on the other, that's your fastest duel that you've had here in a while. And, you know, what that translates into, I don't know. Um, but, um, you know, I think I think with I think one of the things that you've seen with Doxon, I think this year, and talking to him because like he's had a, you could tell at times the frustration whether it's with us whether with with whatever, and he's really I wouldn't say he's been ripped a lot here, and so you know so but I could sense the frustration for whatever, and I th- I get the sense he feels like he has, but oh, I, I agree with you yeah. that I don't think he really in reality and, has. and I agree with both of those yes, and so but the point is that. What I saw from him in the spring, when we t- the one chance we had to talk to him, was somebody who came across more relaxed. Now, he seemed like that last year at this time, too, but it felt like a little bit different, where I think he has a deeper understanding of whether it's the situation, his situation, what's going on, or what he can't control. And I think that's what I felt. So maybe there's a maturation for him that um, will help pay off, whether it's here or somewhere else, and... You know, but I do. I did send something different from him in the conversation that we had. All right, I'll let you go with this. Um, so this is the point of time you're not going to see the team again for six weeks. Um, what's the Kool Aid meter for you? Are you are you you're around them every day? So are you buying that they're going to be better than people think they are? You think the prognostications at this point are right? Where, where are I think you right there's now? way too much for me to learn at this point. I can't go. Last year at this time, I thought they were going to be better. 
And because and I, they were until the injury. And they were really, until the and they were. Right. But I felt like I had a clear idea of that. I think the hard part here is not just like we're spending so much time on Haskins. It's not like Case Keenum is out there tearing it up and Colt McCoy's coming off an injury. So we have to see how that position gets handled and settled. And I think you have to see how Geis performs. All right. And then I think we have to see how the defense comes along. So I think there's potential to be back, get back to those points, I think it'd be wrong for me to sit here and say that, yeah, I definitely think they are. I think there's potential for that. I really like what they've built on defense. Um, so, and even with Ru- Lu- losing Reuben Foster, I still like what they've done there. Um, but there's so many, I think there's like, there's just too many questions that are, we don't know the Trent Williams situation. How is that going to play out? And what will be the, is there a fall off in there? Is he, and if he is here, which, which I would assume he'll, I'm assuming right now that he would be, but who knows? There's still ways to go, but how is he physically, you know? So I think there's, there's too many questions for me to jump to that point. I do think that, well, listen, you know how this league is. If you go out there, if they stay healthy and, and Keenum does pretty well, then I think Keenum. Well, Did you just say that? I, I'm, I'm talking about the start. Right. Okay. You know, but or if, let's say, Haskins goes in there and yeah. he's further ahead. Let's say he's further ahead than everybody expected. In this break, maybe he's learning the offense and learning something or learning it better and all that allows him to play faster. And then you get a different guy out there and you have a guy that's more, a more dynamic passer. So how does that play out? But we don't know. So, like, I can't sit here and say that they're going to be better because there's just too many questions. And I think with Haskins, the one thing, if you're a Redskins fan, is, like, at least now you can at least say, okay, you're, you're back to this again with a quarterback, a first-round quarterback, but that's the hope for this organization is that But this kid has to pan out. And they've got to do a good job with that because it's so much rides on that kid and his development. And with all these quarterbacks in the room with, you know, Kevin O'Connell and Tim Rattay and Gruden and Doug Williams, you would hope that they would know how to develop him and that people would listen to the plans for him and, and understand that. But so, you know, but yeah, I can't sit here and say that I think they're going to be better. I think there's some areas where I do like where they're going, but, you know, I think there are a lot of questions left to be answered here. All right, that's it from Bram and I. And thank you, as usual, for listening. And thanks to Will Compton for joining me. Always enjoy catching up with him. And as always, I'm going to thank you for listening. I know I just did that, but I'm going to do it again. Because without you, there's no podcast. Thank you.